Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. I hope you got your Bibles. The first scripture we're going to go to is found in 1 Timothy chapter 3. But while you're turning there, I'm just going to set up for this morning's service. And so when Pastor Mark had come to me and asked me, he said, I need you to fill in the pulpit for me on Sunday. I said, oh man, that'll be awesome. So I immediately just start spending time with the Lord saying, Lord, what do, you want, what do you want me to minister on? And so the message I have for you today is called A Heart for His House and it's kingdom service. And so if this is your first time with us, it's amazing. You're going to get so much insight. But this is really for those that are serving, that are connected to Anchor Faith Church. But I believe God's gonna speak a word to you that if this is your first time, that it's gonna help you have clarity on exactly knowing that God's got a spot for you. He has a church body, he has a local church body that has a place and a gifting needed for you to come and fill that spot. And so we're gonna pray this morning and then we're gonna dive right into scripture. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this awesome time that we get to come and spend with you. But Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that we call on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our guide. He's our standby. He is the one that is our teacher. And so we thank you, Lord, that these words won't just be words from men, but Father, they'll be unctioned by the Holy Spirit. And that, Father, that you will be able to minister to people far beyond what I could ever reach. And so I thank you, Lord, that you will speak to their hearts, speak to their life. If they're dealing with any type of confusion, if they're dealing with any lack of purpose or lack of destiny, that, Father, that you will start to bring clarity to their surroundings, clarity to their mind, clarity to their souls, so that way they will be able to know and realize that you have such a great plan already planned out for them that they need to just trust you and step into it. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen. All right, so 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 15 says this in the uh, New American Standard Bible. It says, but in case I'm delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of truth. The pastor translation says it this way. But if I am delayed in coming, you'll already have these instructions of how to conduct the affairs of the church for the living God, his very household and the supporting pillar and firm foundation of the truth. And so I wanted to bring us here to recognize that God is not done with his church yet. We are actually in the last days called to be the pillar and support of the truth. And we know that the Bible is truth and everything in it is truly stated from God. And so we are called as a local church and as the body of Christ to now be the pillar and support of that truth. And if you have not turned on the news anytime recently, you'll realize that truth is always being questioned. Truth is actually now being redefined and they are coming up with their own agendas and their own things. But you and I both know that the original manufacturer is the one who actually does the definitions, correct? Like, I don't look at my Chevy Tahoe outside and say, that is a Prius. Doesn't work that way, right? Doesn't function that way. Doesn't look the same. I can't redefine what it is because it was built as a Chevy Tahoe. The manufacturer is the one that comes up with the plan and the details. I mean, I love looking into, for those that don't know me, I have been with Anchor Faith Church now since 2009. I'll give you a little backstory. 
2009, my family moved from Tulsa, Oklahoma to St. Augustine, Florida to partner with Pastor Earl and Marcy Glisson to be able to help with the church. So as a 17-year-old kid, I ended up getting connected with Mark Brady, who was the children's pastor at that time. And so I got connected with Pastor Mark and Ashley and started serving alongside them with their older elementary age kids, teaching life classes, just doing whatever I could possibly do for the ministry. Always looking for opportunities to serve. If the doors were open, we were always there. And so I have always grown up in church. Literally, I, my parents always talk about how we, me and my brother Joshua were born and raised in church, literally. Like, we were born and raised, and like the next Sunday, my mom had us on the front row. I mean, that's just how we were always raised. So I am a product of the local body church. But especially, I am a product of Anchor Faith Church. And so whenever I was 17 years old, I remember the last Sunday I was in Tulsa or Sand Springs, Oklahoma is where we were born and raised. But in our local church there, I remember one of the nice elderly ladies that was always so sweet to us came over to me and I remember these words, you are missing God. Thank you. Thank you, Darren, for laughing. That's great. Because I can laugh at it now, but as a 17-year-old kid, I was like, whoa, what? I mean, everybody else is all excited that we're moving. You're telling me I'm missing God? I'm like, wait a minute, hold up. That's not lining up with what my spirit man's saying. I mean, this has been well thought out. I mean, we were supposed to move a year ago and it's been pushed back to now and we're on like year two and we're still not down there yet. I mean, this is well thought out. We got to move. But I remember those words coming from somebody that I respected and I knew was hard for me to receive, but I knew without a shadow of a doubt I had been raised in church. I had been raised in the word of God. I had been equipped to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit for myself, to operate and pray in tongues and do all those things. I had been taught from a little kid. And so when she came to me and said, you are missing God, you're supposed to be here. It was so easy on the inside of me to look back and say, nope, I know what God's voice sounds like. And the only reason I knew that is because what had been developed in me year after year of going to church, sitting in kids' classes. I mean, my mom for years served as our K-5 and first grade director. And even to this day, still serves with those children. I mean, decades of serving with this one age group. And I remember sitting in her class, eating all of my goldfish and having all the snacks you could possibly imagine because when your parents are on staff and you have multiple services on a Sunday, you're there all day. So we lived on the church snacks and we would take naps underneath the pews and we would run across the entire auditorium whenever it was in between services just to get our energy out. But I am a result of the local body church. And so when we moved to Anchor Faith Church and we got connected with Pastor Earl and Marcy, it was a whole new level for me because now I'm in a whole new region with some friends that I had, but now it was a different season of my life that now it came from my parents' faith and what I had learned all through children's ministry and all through youth to now, what are you gonna do for yourself? And I remember the message that Pastor Earl ministered on April the 13th in and. Seven, eight, 2008, he ministered a message called All Planned Out, God's Blueprint for Your Life. And I remember there was two services that Sunday morning. 
And he ministered talking about how God has a plan for your life and he has a place in the body just for you. But you need to submit to him under his lordship and give everything that you have to him to say, I'll follow you. And he said, if that's you, come on down front. And I said, I'm sitting there. My parents are well known in the church. And let me just talk to the, you know, kids that have been raised in church before. It's one of those, and even adults, we get in this mindset of, well, people think of me this high. So if I go down that front for that, then they're going to be questioning like, what's going on? What's happening? Let me just tell you this. It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is obedience to Christ. So whenever I was sitting there, I'm looking around going, oh man, all these people know my family. My brother's been with them since almost day one. I Like, they're gonna look at me so weird. It was such a drawing in my heart that I said, I don't care. And I walked down front. And I remember the Lord dealt with me so hard that day on my purpose and what he had planned for my life that I couldn't talk. My parents said all through the whole 30 minute break in between first and second service, I sat in my chair and could not say a word. I remember it, but they don't have to remind me of it because I was the one happening to. And I remember the Lord was just downloading so much into my heart, so much for my future, that from that day on, it changed how then I did things. And it was very easy. Once you have purpose, I was just talking to an individual the other day. Once you find your purpose and you find your fit, it's very easy to then say no to the things that won't get you there. It will get rid of the distractions that are trying to pull you away and get you so distracted from the things that God wants for your life that you can now look at it and say, "Mm, that's no longer productive for me. That's not gonna help me get to the end result that God has for me. And you start judging things and doing things based off of those assignments. And so I remember in Anchor Faith Church, St. Augustine, growing up, learning about the kingdom of God finding my own place, my own voice, going through our Kingdom Institute Bible school. I mean, that was a stretch in itself. But none of this would have been possible if Pastor Earl would have never obeyed the call to go start the church in the first place. And so, yes, we're gonna talk about the church globally, but I wanna focus on the church locally. That yes, we are a body of Christ and that there are many members that make up one body and that we are connected so beyond where we're at right here. But if it wasn't for the local body church, a lot of you wouldn't be here today. A lot of you have made decisions based on things that you've learned and that you've seen and revelation you've got in the word. That now you're in a different position where you were back three years ago, four years ago. I mean, for us We desire and our heart is that we will be a pillar in support of truth in Valdosta. But then I love whenever individuals go down to St. Augustine where Anchor Faith Church started and they see the vision down there and they see where they're at because they're on year 19. I mean, they started in 2004, so they're on year 19 right now where we're on year 12. And to see how far advanced they are and see what God's doing there you realize that you're connected to something way greater than just here. And then on top of that, if you ever get to travel outside of the U.S., there's multiple locations being planted this year outside of the United States where Anchor Faith Church is growing and reaching regions and communities and cultures that you will probably never get a voice into, but because you're connected with us and then because you serve with us, you're a part of that. 
And it's so much bigger than just one location, just here. But we're gonna talk about the local church this morning. And so we're gonna look though very quick over at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're actually gonna camp here for a minute. 1 Corinthians 12, starting in eight, verse number 18. So many times I hear people that they're giving church a try or I'm just visiting and that's great. And you need to go through and you need to find out. But I want to change your perspective a little bit today. If God the Father knows exactly where you're at right now and he knows where he wants you, do you believe that he can tell you where to go? Oh yeah, I like that answer. Oh yeah, absolutely. He can tell you. And here's the thing is that we live in a society where we view prayer as just this, I'm letting my petitions be known to God. But there's more. Prayer was never designed as this one-way communication of we're just letting God know of everything that's going on down here. No, no, no. He wanted this communication on an intimate level. He wants to know all the details. He doesn't want to know just your need list. I mean, as a parent... We all get these lists. I mean, Ella's in here today because she wanted to, she's right there. Hi, Ella. She wanted to be in here to listen to her dad minister. I said, okay, no problem. But Ella's birthday's coming up in October. Well, she's already started on her birthday list. She's already got that list of this is what I want. But a lot of times we go to God with the same list. God, I need this. God, I need this. God, I want this. God, why can't I have this? What? Well, I need a better job. I need my spouse is acting up. You need to go tell them to straighten up. I need all this. And you're going through and making lists. But when's the last time you just went to the Father and just said, Father, I love you. And I thank you for what you're doing. And spending time, because over in James, stay, stay where you're at in 1 Corinthians, but over in James chapter 4, verse 8, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We start the drawing process. And obviously there is the verse that says, God draws all men to repentance. That's great. But once you're in the household, you have a responsibility. You go to the father. You're the one that starts that process. My children know they have an open invitation to come to me any second of any day. They know that they can come to me in the middle of the night when they're having a bad dream and say, dad, I had a bad dream and we're going to pray together. They know that. They can wake me up. Not a lot of you guys can, okay? That'd be real creepy. Don't do that. But they have access to me that's different than everybody else. Well, we have access to the Father that at any moment we can have those conversations. And let me just tell you this. He wants to have those conversations with you. He wants you to communicate with him. And he has so much that he wants to say. It talks about how God has so many thoughts that he thinks towards you, that he would outnumber every piece of sand on every seashore. I just saw a statistic the other day that they did a study and they said one cubic feet of sand holds over a million grains of sand. One cubic feet. Think about how many times God is thinking of you that he even says, I number the hairs on their head. That is the type of God that we serve, that he wants to have that relationship with you and he's made it available to you, but you have to start the drawing process. You have to now plug in and dive in. And so over in 1 Corinthians, it says here, it says, but now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body as he desires. The Passion Translation says it this way, but God has carefully designed each member and placed them in the body to function as he desires. 
And so you know what that tells me? That I have a place, that I have a role to do, and that God has designed from the very beginning a spot for me, and that he has a spot for you that is designated just for you. It might not even be anything that you're thinking of right now. And let me tell you this. You might be like, well, Pastor Caleb, I mean, we've, we've lived a great life. We've had grandkids and everything else. If you're still breathing, you're still on purpose. You still have a purpose and a destiny of why you're here. That God's not done with you yet. Until you meet him face to face in glory, guess what? There's still more work to do. There's still an assignment with your name assigned to it. And so we see that if we go look at this whole verse, we're going to back up to verse number 14 of 1 Corinthians 12. And we're going to read this. And it says, For the body is not just one member, but many. If the foot says, Because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body. It is not for this reason any of the less part of the body. And it says, And if the ear says, Because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body. It is not for this reason any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would we, where'd the hearing be? And if the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the member, each of them, in the body as he desired. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? And we realize that we constantly look at different members. And if you continue to read on, it actually talks about the lesser members. And so many times people want to put church as the pulpit is the highest position. And honestly, the pulpit is a very honored position, but it's not the highest. I'll tell you right now, serving in our classroom, holding an infant, praying over them and telling them how much God loves them. In God's eyes, that's probably a whole lot more higher than standing up here. Now, will this have a whole lot stricter judgment? Absolutely. But we are the ones that set the standard of what we think is more honorable than the other. But honestly, I tell people all the time, you miss out on the opportunity to serve in our classroom. I have the opportunity that this last Sunday, we had the highest numbers, right, Miss Anna? We had the highest numbers in our two-year-old class. Two-year-olds. You would expect two-year-olds to be like herding cats, right? It wasn't. Every one of those kids, whenever it's time for the lesson, grabbed a chair on their own and sat down, fully engaged, fully intent, learning about the story of the Bible, God's big story, and how they are part of his story. And they got to sit and listen to a creator and a God that loves them and that from the very foundations of the earth, when he made the stars in the sky and the birds in the air, had them in mind for such a time as this. That is what we get to do as part of his body, is we get the opportunity to then sow into the next generation that somebody along the way told you about Jesus and that's where you're at today. Because somebody told you, you then got the hunger to go and learn it yourself. I hope you did at least. Because it starts with somebody. And a lot of times you find them in your local body church. You find them in your home church. I mean, a lot of you in here, the reason you came to Anchor Faith Church is because your friend invited you. A lot of you might be just, you are Googling for non-denominational churches and you might've been Googling for Baptist churches. 
but I know Pastor Mark pays for that top spot on Google searches. So it doesn't matter what you search. As long as you put in church, boom, Anchor Faith Church is right there. We get so many calls during the week. Is this First Baptist? You must have clicked the first number you saw on Google. Yep. Nope, it's not. This is Anchor Faith Church. But you see that somebody is, there's always this drawing. And that there is a place for you. And let me just say this. If it's not here, that's awesome. Because you have the excitement of knowing God has the place for you. But if it is here, then it's time to plant some roots. It's, pl- it's time to start sowing. Sowing some seeds into some different areas. I mean, a lot of you in here, I know already serve on a team. And we encourage people all the time. That this is not a church for you to just come, sit, and receive, and go home. This is a serving church. Pastor Mark always puts it this way. We are not, partic- or we are not, wow, I, spectators. There we go. We are not spectators. We are participators. Because whenever you're in a sports arena, for instance, soccer with our coach over here, the players on the field have a completely different game than those who sit in the stadiums. They have different roles. They have different assignments. And they get way more enjoyment out of playing the sport than those who just get to sit and watch. Are they tired? Absolutely. Do they get banged up and bruised up and maybe bleeding a little bit? Concussions? Dear Lord. You had a lot of concussions that one year. Yeah. But at the end of the game, they love it all. They love being a part of the team. And that's what our local body church is, is that they're here for you. They're a church family. When you go to the hospital, guess who comes and visits you? Your local pastor, not the guy you watch from New York. Whenever your family's sick, you can't get to the store, and somebody drops off food at your door, that's your local church. I mean, we had during COVID, we had people that were having COVID and couldn't get out. And so I know Pastor Ashley was blowing her phone up. I'm door dashing this to such and such. I'm sending this over to such and such. We're gonna go drop meals off to them. Making sure that the church body was taken care of because they are true shepherds. We're gonna look at what a shepherd does. But you see that you have a place in God's body. You have a fit. You have an assignment. So don't ever think, well, I just don't know what I'm supposed to do in this life. Then let's get to the one who does. You have a purpose. It's just time to find it. And you know what? I'll tell you right now. They use this analogy in Bible school quite a bit. But it's a whole lot easier to steer a moving car than one that's parked. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever had car problems before and you've had to stop on the side of the road and then all of a sudden you're like, oh no, I've got to get into this parking spot. And you start from a dead stop. It's real hard to push it by yourself. But if the car's moving, it's a whole lot easier to turn that steering wheel and get it to go where you want it to go. So sometimes so many people want to be like, well, I'm just waiting on God to tell me what to do. And God's saying, I'm just waiting on you to start doing something. Just put your hand to something and then I can actually lead you and guide you in the direction you need to go. We've had people come to us that started in children's ministry and they started serving with our kids. We knew in the very beginning, that's not their in position. We know this is a transition position. But you know what? God was looking at their heart. He was checking to see, are you going to be faithful with where you're at? And then the season came where they said, you know what? I don't think this is my ultimate fit 
but I really feel like the Lord's drawing me to this position over here. And as pastors, we love it. We're like, you know what? That's great. Let's go have a conversation with them and let's get you plugged in over there. And getting people into the spot where they know this is what I'm called to do. I mean, there's no better place to be than the perfect will of God. And there's so many people that are living this half standard of a life because they're just getting by day to day wondering what's going on and they haven't found the will because they haven't got devotion with him yet. Remember, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So if you're not hearing from God, then it's time to check our drawing. It's time for us to go ahead and start plugging in, saying, okay, maybe I need to cut off on this screen time a little bit. I mean, it will shock you, parents and grandparents alone. It's the average for this generation's screen time, screen time, what, what they view on their devices. Just saw this study come out the other day for Gen Z, not Alpha. Alpha's a new one. Gen Z is what we have as teenagers now. Average screen time, 51.3 hours a week. That's more than you work. Think about that. So no wonder you're having problems with these generations. No wonder they're not wanting to listen to your voice. No wonder they don't want to go to church because they're filling their entire day with this. So yeah, no wonder they don't want to read the Bible. They've been reading TikToks or Instagram posts all day long. They're tired. So think about that. If the world is adamant about getting their attention, as a church, we got to step it up. Every church meeting that we got, bring them. Even if they hate it, we did. I'm a product of it. Remember, I am a product of a local body church. Meaning, every time those doors were open, we were there. We didn't have an option. And I've, we've said this before from the pulpit, that what you deemed optional, the next generation will deem, what? Unnecessary. So if church is an option for you, for your kids, why do I even need to go in the first place? If all of a sudden we have a sports event that comes up that takes our time or dad wanted to go on the boat that day and we didn't go to church, why do I have to go in the, anyway? Dangerous. But here's the great news. They're still in your household. You're still their parent. You still have the, you still have the final say. Even when they're not in your household, you pray for them even harder. But for me and my brother, I'm thankful that we had parents like we did because we are not the product of this whole mindset of the church took my family or the church always had my parents. My grandparents were. My grandparents both were, you don't need those details. Both of their dads were pastors back in the day. Growing up, my parents never went, or my grandparents never went to church. They would only come to church when me and my brother had a special occasion, special service, some Easter program, some Christmas program. That was the only time we ever saw them in church. So I asked the question one time when I got older, why does Papa and Grandma never go to church? They said, well, because back in the day, their parents or their dads were pastors, and they spent so much time, they neglected their family. So they always view church as God took my dad away from me. I never got to know my dad because he was always dealing, helping everybody else. But you see, Pastor Mark has a great, awesome 
healthy environment here that we don't sacrifice our family on the altar of ministry. We involve them. I tell my children all the time, you saw my oldest daughter up here worshiping half, every, almost every Sunday. That's my oldest daughter, Jada. That when we first moved up to Valdosta, we had Jada and Ella, and that was it. But we told them, the Lord's calling us to Valdosta. Not just me and Crystal, but our whole family. Because you're a part of this family. We are the ones making the calls right now because we believe that we are led by the Holy Spirit in this decision. But that does not mean that God does not have a plan for your life and that he has a purpose for all of us going up there. So you're gonna have to dive in and find out what is that purpose? What is that destiny? That it involves everybody. Don't ever think, well, I'm just here on mistake or I just... I got here because of X, Y, and Z, and that's why I'm in this position. God sees that. He knows that. And he can meet you right where you're at. But remember, draw it. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. It's your participation. So we're going to look at the ministry gift of the pastor. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse number 1. And then we're going to get into some practical stuff for us. And we'll be out about time. Ephesians chapter 1. You guys doing great this morning? Awesome. Hope you're taking notes. If you need a pen, there's a pen in the seat back pocket in front of you. you know. All right. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse number 1. It says, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called. You have been called. You have to understand that. You might not be called to fivefold ministry to be a pastor or to get up here on a podium, but you're called to your sphere of influence. You're called to wherever you're at for this day. That's your calling. I tell our youth students all the time that you create your world by your words. So whoever's around you, guess what? That's your world. The people you constantly run into at school, that's your world. The people you constantly work with or the customers that come in that only want to deal with you because of the influence you have on them, that's your world. That's your ministry. You have a calling, so walk worthy of that calling. Step into it. Allow God to speak to you throughout the day because he'll tell you things. He wants to speak with you. But what is your availability? I mean, so many times we schedule ourselves, I mean, back to back to back to back. But are you able to allow some room for the Holy Spirit to move? Or if he says, hey, you know what? Instead of doing this next assignment, go take such and such to lunch. You flexible? You able to do that? So then we read on. It says here, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, show tolerance to one another in love being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you also were called into one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one, the grace has been given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Verse eight says, therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Then he goes through on verse nine. Now this expression, he has ascended, 
What does it mean except that he also has descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above. Everybody say far above. Far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles, as some as prophets, and as some of evangelists, and some as pastors, and some as teachers. And here's what it's for. This is what the gift was for. Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to building up the body of Christ. It is to equip the saints for the work of service. So you guys come in here every Sunday, every Wednesday, get a phenomenal message from Pastor Mark, and it is designed to not just make you feel better. It is not to help you get your life back right with Christ. That does do that, absolutely. But sometimes it's also one of those ones where we leave and we're like, man, my toes hurt. Does anybody else's toes hurt? Because, you know, he was stomping on my toes this morning. Because guess what? It's to equipping the saints, building up the body, that he has a message from the Holy Spirit for us to then go out into our community, go out into our spheres of influence. So we're equipped now to go do the work of Christ. And so you can't ever neglect the fact that you are part of the body, that you are needed and necessary. The most dangerous statement in the kingdom of God when it comes to service is someone else will do it. We think about that. Sometimes at work, you'll walk by and you'll see something that needs to be cleaned up and you'll be like, "Mm, I'll leave that for somebody else. You walk by a piece of trash on the road and all of a sudden you look down and you're like, somebody else can grab that. You walk by and see a toilet overflowing in a bathroom. It's happened multiple times here, multiple times. I get a phone or I get a text message or somebody comes rushing into a classroom. The toilet is backed up with a ton of toilet paper. I'm like, whose kid did it? And they're like, we don't know. I'm like, oh, okay, fine. But the mindset of a kingdom citizen should be, Lord, I'll do it. Why not me? Why not me? that we should never look for the escape goat of somebody else can handle that. What if God placed you in that position so you could? We look at our environments when it comes to workplaces all the time. And we look around and we talk about how awful our coworkers are, how terrible our managers are, and how it's just an awful place to be. What if you are placed there so that way you could influence those around you? But here's what happens is we get into our own world and we get into our own vein of somebody else will do it that we stick to ourselves. I'm going to clock in, do my work, clock out. Don't have to see them for another eight hours and then I'll get back there and I'll do it again. That's our mindset and it shouldn't be that way. Our mindset should be, Lord, who would you have me speak to today? Because we're coming in here, we're professing to be Christians and saying, I love God, I love the Bible. But yet, then we go out into the world and we live this almost like camouflage life where we blend in. We just try not to make a ripple and just, you know what, I'm just going to do my own thing. I'll let them do their own thing. Don't talk to me about the Bible. I don't want to have those conversations. I remember those conversations of 
always being intimidated of what if somebody asks a question of the Bible? You know what? You know what's a very freeing thing to know? You don't have to know all the answers. You don't. If you don't know, here's, here's what will free you. I don't know, but I'll find out. I have that conversation all the time. I get some deep theological questions that somebody's wanting to know about the end times prophecies with all the beasts and the eyeballs and the wheels within the wheels and all these other things. What do you think about that? I know it's in the Bible, but I'll find out for you. I'll find out to the best of my knowledge. I don't have to have the answer right then. It's freeing. Just saying, I don't know, but I'll find out. But when we realize that we're here and we have this gift as a pastor to equip us for the work of service, that you're not alone. But then also it comes down to the pastor now has this great big weight on his shoulders to equip all those that the Lord draws near to him, he's now responsible to shepherd over. And just like in, in today's culture, not a lot of people know farming or know agriculture terms, but shepherding is still a thing. There's still multiple places that still have big flocks of sheep and they just roam everywhere. And people are responsible to make sure that they're not dying and falling off cliffs. My brother went over to Ireland and he loves taking his family over there and they always take photos of all these sheep. And all the sheep have a different color spray paint, spray painter on the side of them that identify what herd or what owner they belong to. And you'll always see somebody roaming around somewhere to make sure that they're not just dropping off of cliffs. I mean, he had photos with all these different sheep and some of them look real rough. Some of them looked really pretty. But the shepherd's job is to make sure that the flock is taken care of, that it has the necessary items to be able to live life. Well, the pastor is the same thing. We know that Jesus talks about how he is the great shepherd and that he is the ultimate example for us in the Bible, not only to live our lives, but also to walk this kingdom lifestyle out. And that we see that Jesus' whole thing, what's so freeing to me, is that Jesus did not do it as 100% God. You know, he's 100% God, 100% man. It said he laid down that deity. He laid down the 100% God side of it, and he took on the form of a man. He took on flesh. It said he was tempted on all accounts. He went through all the different things that we would possibly ever imagine, and yet did not sin. You know what he did? He obeyed the Father. He listened to what the Father had. And then he trained up individuals to do the same, that you and I can follow his example because he's not just God, but he was man with the same choices, same things that you and I deal with, he dealt with and was able to overcome them. So we're gonna talk about some fundamental practical skills, but I was talking to the guys this morning. One of the things that we need to recognize is that we need to change some lenses when it comes to serving in the church. And so I have, without a better term, three, well, let's just do this. I did get a better term. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Three tweaks we need to make. I had corrections, and that just sounds a little harsh. We don't want to just have the corrections, but we need to make some tweaks. Three adjustments we need to make. The first adjustment you need to make when it comes to the local body church is that you have to understand to be faithful with the little. And let me say this. 
it might look little in your eyes, but it's big in God's. So many times, like I said, we want to distinguish what is the big role. I mean, I've been in children's ministry since I was 14 years old. That was the first time I got to serve in our K-5 or K-5 and first grade with my mom. And I've seen so many people use children's ministry as just a stepping stone of, oh, I'm just in here until pastor recognizes that I got a gift and I can really sing and then I can get up on stage. But they said, we got to start in children's ministry. You know why they did that? Because they wanted to know, where's your heart at? Are you willing to serve? Are you willing to just submit to the pastor and submit to the oversight and just say, whatever's necessary, I'm here. Because there's a big distinguishing difference between a servant's heart and a heart that wants to pump up in pride. Pastor Mark's been dealing with pride and dealing with those different roles, and I'm excited that everything's starting to get back up online so you can listen to it here in the near future. But a servant's heart has this mindset of whatever is necessary, I'll do it. Even if it means being in the background. I mean, our production guys, phenomenal guys. You should talk to them sometime. They're awesome, awesome guys. But the only time you ever recognize that they're even back there is when something goes wrong. Slides aren't up, screen goes black. I mean, it's, it's amazing. The things that can happen on a Sunday morning that you have no idea about, that they can be just trudging through the trenches to get service ready, and then right before service, everything goes great. But I mean, we've had issues before where we're just like, you know what, Pastor Mark? You're going to have a guitar and somebody singing. That's all you got this morning. And you know what? We saw that at youth camp, didn't we? That's all we had. All the lights went out. Power was out. There was no AC. They literally got two guitars up there. Somebody who actually had a voice on the third day of youth camp. I'm shocked he even had a voice. But he had a voice loud enough to scream across the entire auditorium. And then Pastor Mark got up there and literally grabbed his podium, walked it right into the middle of the, the whole gymnasium and ministered for over an hour with no microphone to 700 students and everyone was fully engaged. No one got up and walked around. Nobody was sitting there talking to their friends because guess what? You could hear them. When there's no other noise going on, it's real evident who's talking. So we saw that you don't need all that stuff all you need is the presence. So when we realize that to be faithful in the little, we always go back to the parable of the talents. And we always see where it talks about how over in Luke chapter 16, it says, whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy, in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you in the true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? And we see this as a natural sense of that we are entrusted all the time with different things. You're entrusted with responsibility. You're entrusted with trust. You're entrusted with finances. You're entrusted with possessions. You're entrusted with so many different things. But what has to be proven is what you'll do with them. And that's not something that can just be done overnight. It's a process. 
it takes time. I mean, we, we, I was just talking to another individual, another pastor just the other day. And he was asking why I was still over youth and why we haven't got a director over that. And he was like, so when's, when's your exit plan or when's your time? Because our, how everything's laid out here is that me and my wife are the family pastors and we have directors over our junior, our elementary, and our youth. Well, my, right now my wife is our junior director and we have Miss Myrna for our elementary director and I'm running youth. And I told him, I said, I am in no hurry because we are not just here to fill a position. We are looking for somebody who's called and anointed for that position. So if that means that I will stay in this position until the Lord comes back, so be it. I'm not interested in just finding somebody to fill a spot. I said, it's way more important for me that these kids receive what they need to receive out of the word of God than it ever is just to find somebody else to come in so that way I can mark that off my list. I said, ain't ever gonna happen that way. But for us, it's a calling. It's not something to take lightly that whenever we see here that when you're faithful with the little, you'll be faithful with much. It even says that if you are faithful with the little, you'll make ruler over much. That God's constantly evaluating our hearts. Did you know the biggest battleground between heaven and hell is found in your heart every single day? Heaven's constantly wanting you to side with their party. Bring heaven to earth. Kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But also, the domain of darkness is constantly trying to get your heart to side with their party. And it's this internal, eternal struggle that we have with do I obey God or do I obey my flesh? But I'm here to tell you that it's well worth it to always side with God's party, to always choose the kingdom over what the flesh wants. So many times, trust is broken in a momentary situation. Very quickly, you can have years of trust built up with a relationship, and in one instance, boom, it's broken. Now you start over. You gotta regain my trust. And we see that if you're trustworthy with what God gives you and you're faithful in where you're assigned, then God recognizes the faithfulness and he will reward that. And he'll show you. That's why in the parable of the sower, when he, or the talents, whenever he gained 10 more, it said, the one who only had the one, take it from him and give it to the one with the 10. He said, because he's faithful with what he has. He's proven himself. And so for us, we always try to see that it's not a little thing in God's eyes. It's big because it's all about your heart. To be obedient is one thing, but to be willing and obedient is another. I mean, with our children, if I ask my kids to do a task, Isaac is our five or six-year-old son, just had a birthday. So he's our six-year-old son, and whenever I ask him to go feed the dog, that is now our challenge in the evenings. I don't want to feed the dog. I'm like, dude, you get one bowl of food and you place it on the ground. That's all you have to do. I don't want to go in the garage. I'm like, dude, it's so easy. Just go do what I'm asking you to do. Uh, he, might be he might be obeying the task, but he is not willing. He is definitely not willing. But is he doing the job? Yes, but there's a whole lot different of a motive and an action 
when you're willing and obedient to go do that. Whenever you're asked to do something or God requires you of something, are you sitting there doing the, I don't wanna do that, God, but I'll go do it. God sent me here. Okay, great. So did Jonah. I mean, Jonah is a great example of, he had to get his whole heart right. And it took him having a relocation and near-death experience. I don't want that. I want to find myself in a position that when God speaks, I obey because of the love for the Father. When you know somebody and you know their true character and you know that they really do care about you, it's real easy to do things, isn't it? If your spouse asks you to go to the store and pick up dinner, it should be a pretty easy thing because you're taking care of your family. You're taking care of your spouse. I'm providing for them. It shouldn't be a drudging thing of, I don't wanna go to the store. I'll be honest, might've done that last night. I was like, I'm in PJs. I don't wanna go to the store. And then it's like, you know what? I'll go to the store. So I was like, Ella, come to the store with me. Let's go. And it was great. But there's a difference being willing and obedient to be able to prove that faithfulness. Second thing, and we're gonna roll through these. Second thing, I've already kind of alluded to this, but the number two tweak you need to make when it comes to church service is be that person. Be that person. If you've ever thought to yourself, man, I just wish that Pastor Mark would just see that there's something that needs to be done. Go have that conversation with Pastor Mark. Maybe the Lord's put that on your heart because you're the one that needs to head up that area. We've had so many people come through our doors that say, you know what? I'm just sad because you guys don't have men's ministry or you don't have these other things or you're not offering enough for my family. We're still growing. We are still developing. Is it on our heart? Absolutely. You should see Pastor Mark's vision board. It is jam-packed with stuff. And we're looking at it going, do we even have the people that could start this? Because if me and my wife and Pastor Mark and Pastor Ashley all did what's on that board, we would run ourselves ragged because there's so much that requires so much more. So in those instances, if you have the power in your hand to be that person, do it. If you walk by and you see trash on the floor, be that person, pick it up, find the nearest trash can. I was in Bible school and I remember them talking about a servant's heart. And they said, if you ever walk by a piece of trash and don't pick it up, just remember you're in rebellion. I'm like, whoa, that's, a, that's extreme. That's extreme. But the way they talked about it is to be that person. If you find it in your power to make change or to be a blessing to somebody else, don't withhold it. If you're able to, and you can bend down and pick up a piece of trash and throw it away so that way somebody else doesn't have to go and do that, do it. Be that person. And so for us to be that person, it requires us to then set aside some self-motives. If you were the pastor of this church, what would you want people to serve under you with? I mean, for us that have worked in the jobs and field and run companies before, you know what it's like to be in that environment and want certain individuals that work for you. We're always constantly trying to raise up somebody else to replace us. As true leaders, that's what you're supposed to be doing. If you're the only person that can do your job, then you might wanna reevaluate your longevity. 
because you should be raising somebody else up that can come alongside you, that can do your job and then outpass you and do it better than you. And so for us, it's a development thing. I've got individuals in this church that have come alongside me in different areas, in different ways, that I am so thankful for the gift that they are to me, that in different areas, they have stepped up. And I'll be honest, they do a better job in some of the things than I ever did. But it's because I'm bringing people along the journey. And then they're recognizing, saying, you know what? I can do that. I think I can even make it better. Let me, let me just try this. Pastor Caleb, can I, can I think of this? What about if we change up this thing here for youth and let's, let's do it this way? They're bringing those ideas and they're bringing it to make it even better than what I had it. That's being a gift to the body. And then the third tweak we have to make is we have to change this mindset of I'm doing it unto Pastor Mark. And the third tweak is do it as unto the Lord. Do your work as unto the Lord. Because I'll tell you right now, Pastor Mark doesn't see everything. I don't see everything. Pastor Ashley and Pastor Crystal don't see everything. But you know what? God does. And here's the, here's the sobering thing too, is God even sees the heart behind it. He sees when you're just doing it for everybody's applause. He sees when you're doing it when everybody's standing around. But he also sees it when no one else is around. He sees it whenever it's just pitch black dark. I mean, I remember I have photos that I've taken over the years of different seasons our church has been in of our sanctuary service with no one in it, just chairs. And I have, I have photos on my phone that I keep. So that way I recognize that even when no one else is around, God sees me. Even when our people that we serve with aren't even here, God is here. That in, a, in the sanctuary, whenever I'm over here and we're cleaning and we're doing everything during the week, God's watching every aspect of it. And that's very sobering to me to recognize and just be aware that nothing goes unnoticed from God, good or bad. Nothing goes unnoticed. But my heart determines on how I lead. And so whenever we're serving the local body church, always make sure your heart position is I'm serving the Lord. I'm not serving a man. But if Jesus himself was sitting on the stage, I've imagined it. Whenever I'm cleaning and straightening up chairs and trying to clean chairs, I just imagine what if Jesus was just sitting on the edge of the stage, just hanging out? How would I respond? How would I act? Would I change the way I'm doing things? Or would it be business as normal? Because that is the moment that you realize, am I doing this for a man's approval or man's applause? Or am I doing it for the Lord's? Because I told our staff this morning in our team huddle for everybody who is serving that we are creating a resume right now. Everything that you are doing as unto the Lord and everything you're not doing as unto the Lord. It's a resume that's being written about you. And that at the end of the day, Pastor Mark's not gonna be standing up there with you. Pastor Caleb's not gonna be standing right beside you to say, man, Lord Jesus, he was awesome. He did a great job serving our church. He was phenomenal. I'm not gonna be there. It's gonna be you and him and he's gonna look at you and say, did you do what I asked of you? Did you obey? And he's gonna look. 
And if we are the fortunate ones and we have obeyed and we have lived a life on purpose and we have done exactly what God called us to do, then we will get that well done, thy good and faithful servant. But he's gonna see it all. And so we have to make sure that we are doing it as unto the Lord, not unto ourselves. Amen? Last thing we're gonna wrap up with. I have, I know it's gonna, it's gonna blow your mind. You ready? I have four commitments every person should make in serving their local church. Four commitments. You ready? Let's go through these. Four commitments every person should make in serving their local church. Number one, commitment number one needs to be, and it is in order. Number one is devoted to God and his word. I'm gonna read these scriptures. You guys can jot them down. But Revelation chapter two, verse four, deals with losing your first love. And it says here, it says, but I have this against you, that you have left your first love. So many times when you get into a local body church, you start serving in ministry and you start serving in an area, you will then use service as an alternative to your spiritual devotion. Where if I go to church and I serve on a Sunday, I don't need to go back to church because I was just there. Or I don't have to read my Bible because I was serving in this capacity. It is never a substitute for spiritual devotion. Service should be something that comes from the overflow from your devotion with the Father. We tell our staff all the time, it is our commitment to you that we endeavor to have you in service more than you're out of service because we don't want you ministering out of an empty tank. We want you ministering out of the overflow in that if you've ever filled up a pot before and you've kind of lost track of time and all of a sudden it just starts overflowing all over in the sink, that's what our spiritual life should look like when we're devoted to the Father and his word that everything that pours out is the overflow that we get to give to everybody else. You should never be draining the tank just to minister to somebody else. It should be out of the abundance of the overflow. And so we realize here over in Mark chapter three, verse 14 and 15, it says, and he appointed the 12 so that they would be with him and that he would send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. What were the disciples' first goal? They would be with him. He wanted them to get to know him. He said, if you're not with me, you're not going to know my character. You're not going to know how the father operates. You're not going to be able to operate in the authority that I have for you because you don't know who I am. So if you're not getting with the father and you're not getting to that devoted to his word, you're going to miss out on the assignment you have. Then the second commitment that every person needs to make in their local body church is be devoted to the church. That if this is where you call home, call it home and be proud of it. I almost wore this morning my, yeah, I do go to that church shirt. I was like, I don't know how Pastor Mark would feel if I didn't wear like a nice shirt. I'm like, you know what? I should do it. And then I found it and it was dirty. So I didn't do it. And I was like, oh man, should have planned ahead more on that one. But if this is where you call home, be proud of it. Tell somebody else about it. It's so easy to talk about your church. I mean, I have students that are constantly posting online about their church, posting videos and photos and everything else. And they're seeing comments of, where do you go to church? I go to Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. 
it's so easy to be able to share about what you're in love with. I mean, it's easy for me to talk about my family and my wife because I'm in love with them. I love being around them. We realized during 2020, when everything got shut down, that we love our kids. We like being around them. They're cool people. You should get to know my kids. Each one of them's different, and they're all in different seasons of life. But you know what? We like being around them. They are cool little human beings. But unless you get around them and you get to know somebody, you don't know those things. When me and my wife were courting, and we were getting to know each other, and we're like, yeah, we feel like God's, this is the one. Dear Lord, it would have been a sad day if we would have been like, you know what? I'll see you at the altar. Just that's it. That's the last conversation we had. It would have been badly. But no, we got to know each other. We got to like being around each other. And all of a sudden you get in those moments and you're like, I really miss them. And it's only been like four hours, but they're my people. That's how it should be with the father. Is that every moment that you're devoted, that you should love coming to church. Isaac asks all the time, how he knows the days of the week is based off of church days. Do we have church tonight? Nope, it's just Tuesday. Okay, tomorrow's church, got it. Or are we going to church? Okay, now it's a new thing because we have youth nights now on Sunday evenings that we've been doing for a little bit. And so Isaac will now be like, are we doing, are we doing youth tonight? I'm like, no, it's not, it's not Wednesday. He goes, no, we do it on Sundays. I'm like, no, that's only like once a month right now. And he's like, or once every other month. He's like, well, can we go to the church? I'm like, no, dude, we're not going to church. No one's there. He's like, that's fine. I'm like, oh, my God, it's fine. But be devoted to the church. Um, over in Ephesians chapter five, it talks about how husbands love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. And then over in Mark chapter 16, verse 18, it says, I also say this, that you are Peter. And upon this rock, I, everybody say, I will build the church. Jesus said that. It's not a man thing. It's a God thing. That it's real easy because we are here not building the church for people, we're building the church for God. And Jesus is the one who is the head architect. He said, I will build my church. So we just have to listen and obey the Holy Spirit in everything that we do. Then number three, everybody say number three. We got number three and number four, and we're going home. Number three, the commitment you must make in serving the local church. Be devoted to your own calling. Be devoted to your own calling. You have to realize that when you come alongside a ministry, you come alongside a pastor, it's called the supportive ministry for a reason. You bring a supply. Here at Anchor Faith Church, we don't have membership. We have vision partnership because you are now partnering with us to advance the kingdom of God, not only in Valdosta, but in your family and in your life. So it is now this two-way street where you are bringing a supply to the church and we are bringing a supply to you. And so how that looks like is that we don't just come to say, well, what does the church have to offer me? We change and we tweak that mindset to say, what can I now bring to the church? What gift did God lay in my heart that I can now serve the body with? What is something that I can do to then be able to be a blessing to other people? And it changes the mindset of just coming and receiving to now coming and giving. But we have so many people that have this mindset of, I come to church to sit and receive. And let me say this, 
Anchor Faith Church is not the church you just left, okay? I dealt with this, and I talked about this, and I have not talked about this, so I'm going to talk about it here. Church hurt is really people hurt. God's church and the church that Jesus is building did not hurt you. The people that are in that church are the ones that you might have got offended with or that they hurt you or they hurt your grandmother or your grandpappy or whoever else in your family for the last 15 years, you now have this burden on you as I'm holding a grudge. It's time to let it go. Don't bring that into this church or your next church and view it as, well, that's what they used to do. We are not them. Pastor Mark is not your old pastor. You have to understand that there's healing that has to take place. So many times, people will constantly jump from church to church to church to church because they refuse to let go and let God heal what was an offense, and they bring it into their new church, and they judge everybody based off of that old church's problems. It wasn't the church that hurt you. It was the people. And let me just say this, too. Pastors are human. I am human. Ella, do I make all the right choices all the time? No, I don't. But I'll be quick to repent, quick to get it right and apologize because we're all human. We make mistakes, but we are doing our very best to be led by the Holy Spirit and to live a lifestyle that is a representative, just like Paul said, of follow me as I follow Christ. That does not mean I'm done. I'm far from done. I feel like I'm just getting started. Not with this message. We are wrapping this up. But in my life, I feel like I am just getting started with what the Lord wants me to do. And so you have to understand that there's things that you need to evaluate that are hindering you from stepping into that service. I will say this about our church. I love the fact that our church can be a place of healing for people, that they come into our church and they come into our body and they say, I don't want to serve at all. I just came from a bad experience. I'm just here. Great. Come and receive the word. Because you know what? The word will bring healing and restoration to your life and then you will realize I, have, I still have a part to play. There's still an assignment for my life that I need to get plugged back in. Fourth and final thing, here we go. These were in order. Fourth and final thing. Every church member Every person connected to the local body church should make this commitment to be devoted to your pastor. I'm not just saying me. I'm saying Pastor Mark. If he's your pastor, he is anointed to shepherd your life. Not just your life, but your family's life. In that over in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12 and 13, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, make sure that you show deep appreciation for those who cherish you and diligently work as ministers among you. For they are your leaders who care for you and teach you and stand before the Lord on your behalf. They value you with great love because, they, because of their service to you, let peace reign among yourself. One way you can be devoted to your pastor is pray for your pastor. Worship team, you can come on up. Pray for your pastor. And I'm not just saying, Lord, we thank you for Pastor Mark and Ashley. I'm saying you go before the throne room and you lift up your pastor. The weight that they carry for the body and for each and every one, every one of you is on their heart at all times. They're constantly thinking about you. We have systems and we have programs in place that are not there to see if, oh, who's been missing? You know what it's for? 
Who do we need to check on? Is somebody okay? Because, you know, we as humans have this tendency that we like to just go, I'm good on my own. I don't need anyone's help. The body of Christ was designed as a body. We need each other. My mom's favorite thing to say nowadays is we went through a phase where my dad was really sick. And my mom was like, we can do this as a family. We don't need the church. And I remember Pastor Earl coming up into my dad's bedroom and having to set him straight and look him in the eye and say, what is causing this? And my dad looking at him saying, I'm offended at my old pastor. And then Pastor Earl walking through this program with my dad to restore and to get rid of that offense and to help him save his life. He had stage four cancer, was only given months to live. But you know who was there? Our pastor. Alongside the entire journey. My grandpa was just sick in the hospital, not knowing why. My mom sends out a text to me, my brother, and Pastor Earl. Because he's family. You don't realize the gift until you need it. And you know what? It's one of those things that when you truly have a pastor, it's gonna be one of those moments that he might have to have hard conversations with you. What is your heart to receive it? Is your heart gonna be, how dare you talk to me that way? How dare you call me out on that? Or is your heart gonna be, man, Father, thank you for sending a man led by the Holy Spirit to speak into my life, to draw greatness out of me than when no one else saw it. I've had those conversations. I've had those moments. I had a season that Pastor Mark saved my life. <laughs> I still get emotional because I was burned out back in our old location, running, working 50 hours a week, trying to serve the church. And I allowed things to just become routine, checking off a box. And before I got so far gone, I remember Pastor Mark pulling me over on the end of a service. I said, hey man, we've just noticed there's some stuff that's going on that we wanna be involved in. What's going on? Let's go have coffee. Let's go meet. And he said, and for this season, we're gonna take some time. We're gonna pull off that responsibility. We're going to allow some time for healing. We're gonna allow some time to regenerate. Over in Timothy, over in 2 Timothy chapter one, it says, stir up the gift, fan into flame. And he said, we're gonna take a moment. Don't worry about everything else. He said, that all can be taken care of easily. He said, I'm more concerned about your spiritual life. That saved my life. That saved us from leaving church because we all go through it. We all go through seasons where you look at it and you say, man, is it worth it? Yeah, it is. The end result is worth it. But you have to be devoted to your pastor that when somebody else is speaking trash about your pastor, you can look at him and say, whoa, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. I know him and that is not who he is. Where did you hear that from? 
okay, let's go to that individual and let's go have a conversation. You have their back. You pray for them. You support them. That this is not something that we choose to do lightly. It's a calling. Pastor Mark has no idea I'm ministering this this morning because I asked him, is there anything you would like me to minister? He said, be led. He has no idea. So he's gonna get to listen to this back whenever he gets back. But for us, we have such a gift in Pastor Mark and Ashley that to serve the local body church in the most fundamental, fulfilling way, it takes devotion to God and his word. It takes devotion to the church itself devotion to your own calling and devotion to your pastors. And so I encourage you, dive in. Quit playing this game of just, yeah. I mean, I talked to an individual just recently. I mean, gosh, I haven't seen them in years. Yet we still we still cherish Shanker Faith Church and we call that our church home. I'm like, man, you must be homeless then. You haven't been there in years but yet you still hold it in your heart that that's your home, why don't you come visit it sometime? If you're called here, get plugged in. Go all in. If you're like, man, I just don't know. I'm just, we're just here. We're just church hopping. You know what? That's amazing. That's great. Thank you for joining us because God has a plan for you and he has a purpose and he has the exact fit just for you. So know that and be encouraged in that and that you're gonna find exactly where God's placed you in his body. And if it's with us, man, we welcome you with open arms. If it's not, then we are excited for you to find that place. Because once you find it, you find your community. You find your church family. That's been something that's always been said growing up is, oh, this is our church family. You don't realize how much of a family it is until you're, <laughs> I mean, I had, I had individuals helping me carry my dad up and downstairs because he couldn't walk. That's family. Seeing it, you at your worst and saying, we're going to get through this. We're going to get better. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website, at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.